0: welcome to another pi world podcast this is an audio only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content a full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk where you can find many more videos of interest to investors
1: good morning everyone thank you for making it to the actfox briefing in the course of the next 20 minutes we'll take you through the the update on the half one results so just to kick off we Had some feedback last time that it's good to recap on the company. So quick recap on the the business and the business proposition. We're a global enterprise software company, extending our software to banks, insurance companies, BPOs across the world, enabling them to orchestrate and manage their resources in a more efficient fashion by giving them consistency of metrics and so on through. And we're a, a primarily a revenue business, so about 22 million in ARR and uh, distributed. We got sites across the world, but particularly around South Africa, Australia, the US, uh, Canada and the UK. And in terms of the outcomes our customers enjoy, some of those are on the screen here. Fundamentally, what we give is precision of control. And that comes out in terms of the type of things you're seeing on the screen. We do our work more quickly. We deliver our SLAs more consistently. We reduce our costs and so on through. And I imagine anybody reading that in the context of current sort of hybrid working and the the pressure on costs can immediately see the value of Actifold software because it essentially enables people to really deliver on many of the things that are worrying them in terms of growth or or, or cost reduction or indeed overtime control and increasingly regulatory risk as well. So the ability to be assured over your your teams and your departments delivering what they need to in terms of your your money laundering obligations to the regulator and, and so on through. So it's very much a, a product of the moment in terms of that need for visibility and control in, in what is, at the end of the day, a very complicated world. We deliver that through essentially uh, enterprise SaaS-based software. We have our core program, which is Control IQ. It's a a control system and and our customers have that as a generic control software across their teams, across the world. We've recently deployed, and many people may know, uh, an extension to the capability of that to include more caseworkers and knowledge workers. So that's Casework IQ. And I'll talk more, but that extends our addressable market. And then we have a a very interesting desktop analytics platform, which provides much more visibility over what's actually happening at the desktop level, which, again, in relevance to current world, it means things like employee well-being. We have visibility of the applications we're working on, how how long people are working, and so on through. And the key thing about the the USB of ActiveOps is we have a very well-defined use case of how you use that software. So anywhere in the world that's using our software, the team leaders can be accredited and trained in the same way. And that really is the thing that turns us into, a, into an instrument of, of standardization and, and assurance across across very large enterprises. And that supports our benchmarking and our global standards awards and so on through. So moving to the year, we're enjoying a very strong year. There's a lot of things to be talked about and and, and very positive about. At the heart of it, of course, is the is the products. And I I want to call out when we IPO'd last year, we did an analysis of our target addressable market with customers with whom we already had had a contract. In other words, what was our expansion footprint, notwithstanding new business? And at the time we we assessed the the addressable market within just our existing customers, was at least. Uh, four times the uh, community we already had with them was about 70 million. What the slide here shows is the impact of casework IQ in terms of expansion, controlling work IQ and indeed upselling control IQ to our existing other uh, work IQ is is only expanding that. And running the sums again, we, we can see now at least 90 million of directly addressable customer ARR with customers we already have contracts with. So that just speaks to the, the sort of expansion potential of the business itself. But of it course, underneath that, you've got a wider business contract context of, of hybrid working, um, uh, the complexity of running operations, the, the pressure from the regulators across the world is only increasing the sensitivity organizations to how well they're in control and therefore the underlying sort of need for our kind of software. And there's a, a stat around the bottom there about the commensurate increase in the total target addressable market. This is very much something which organizations are feeling they, they need at the moment. So in terms of the quick summary of the half year, in terms of financial results, this, the, the figures on, on the screen there, and, and Paddy will go through in, in more detail about that shortly. But fundamentally, you can see that 14% growth in our underlying SaaS revenue has been very, very strong. We're helped by multi-currency, and, and but in terms of the, the the sort of relative strengths of the dollar versus the pound, but again, I just think that speaks to the strength of the business. I mean, we we take revenues in dollars, uh, US dollars. Australian dollars, South African Rand, Euros, as well as GBP. And again, again, and with our cost space being quite regionally based as well, that means essentially it's just the, the margin on those sales coming back to the UK. And so, so the business itself has got a lot, a lot of underlying um, resilience in terms of its, its, its currency flows. And that speaks to, speaks to the sort of strength of the business, as I say. TNI this year, the, the first half is a, was a lower. We've spoken before about how sort of our projects tend to be quite chunky and, and, and pulse, and our sort of blend of, of, of training and implementation support in the first half was, was a little bit lower than the year before. But again, if you look at how it's actually come through in already in the trading, I'll talk about it in the trading update, but it's certainly our, our expectations of it on the full year to be at least as nine with previous years in that respect. But underneath that is a very healthy growth, not only in the SAS revenue, but this continuing and an expand strategy. Our, our, our growth in our existing footprint continues to be fantastic. Um, equally, new business logos, uh, two in the US and one in the HPAC region speaks to the sort of global nature. Both I mean both of the US ones are sizable expansion opportunities. And the US, the the, the Asia pac one is a subsidiary of one of the major, well, the, probably the only Australian bank that we don't enjoy as a customer already. So again, that that's a useful expansion opportunity. So an awful lot that I think as a team, we're we're very pleased about. I can I can talk more about. the the sort of particular, but I think the key thing for me as we go into the second half this year is, is that kind of both deal momentum, but just deal pressure, transactions happening, people coming inbound to make things and to push deals forward. So overall, um, I'm a, you know, a steady good year. I think the one other fast pick, and again, Paddy will give you more detail, is the underlying profitability of the business, which, which continues to be, to be sort of better than projected. And, um, you know, in the current context for um, the type of market we're in, in, in terms of enterprise software, uh, I think a very encouraging uh, step forward. So that's the, the, the quick overview. I'll hand you over to Paddy, and uh, perhaps you can pick up from here. Thanks,
0: Richard. And good morning, everyone. So I'll, I'll delve into the SaaS revenue to start with. And as Richard, I think, mentioned, the annual recurring revenues grown by 12% year on year. Um, constant currency movement of 7% is the strength of the dollar, obviously providing a good tailwind for us there. Net revenue retention at 109%, significantly ahead of, of the year end of 102%. Um, and we've seen very low churn so far this, this calendar year or this financial year, which is, which is positive. And as Richard mentioned, the land and expand strategy that we have continuing to pay dividends. So the top 10 have grown by 16% with nine of those top 10 all all growing. And if you look at the top 40, uh, they have all grown by 17% as a cohort with 34 of those accounts all all expanding as well. So continue very strong momentum um, across the customer base. And at the bottom right there, you've got uh, a good diversification, if you like, around our customer base with the top 10 taking 61% of the total. And we've got one customer over, over 10% now, which uh, is a good little battle for the top three, four, five customers to have to see who's who's going to get to the 10% mark and above. Um, we expect that to decrease slightly as other customers grow um, and therefore uh, dilute the, the top 10 customers. So a strong, continued strong land and expand success in our ARR. Now just move on to the PL. So the SaaS revenue growth, 14%, a good strong growth aided by the US dollar with constant currency at 9%. And then the TNI slightly lower than the first half last year. But really, as Richard said, it, and as we've talked about previously, it is a volatile revenue stream. In this case, we've had a couple of our contracts that are signed and ready to go, just the timing of the implementations of those with our customers uh, asking us to delay a couple, just one side of the half or the other. But we've got good momentum in the pipeline um, and t and revenues we expect to come back for the full year. Gross margin, broadly stable, so a plus 1%, which is really the impact of product mix. A very small reduction in the SAS margins from 85 down to 84%. And that's really just a continuation we talked at the full year about investment in the help desk last year, a stepped investment. And the Casework IQ product for in the short term has got slightly lower margins, very, very slightly lower margins that will, once we integrate that into Control IQ at the year end, they'll return to normal. And then t margins, again, strong in the first half at 59%, um, which gives us a, a, an overall small uptick. I'll come back to the detail of the operating costs in the next slide, but uh, we have benefited from a positive exchange impact. We hold a lot of US dollars uh, in our accounts following the transaction we did a couple of years ago. Uh, that obviously has had a positive exchange impact with the strengthening of the dollar. We have converted some of that to sterling to lock that in. Um, But we are expecting more US dollars to come into the bank accounts between now and the year end. And we've also capitalized 0.3 million of labor um, related to the product developments that we've done in the first half of the year. And that's uh, following the year end capitalization as well as as we continue now to develop new features of the product set. We expect that to be an ongoing position that we will have for the business. So that gives us a profitably adjusted EBITDA of half a million and uh, a good positive story there. If I just delve into the detail of what's happened in the Opex or the EBITDA walk across here, so obviously the, the SaaS revenue and TNI revenues dropping through to a 0.8 million improvement in our gross margin. The sales and marketing investment is a really a flow through from last year's investment in headcount, as well as we you would have seen from the RNS, we have a new chief marketing officer who's joined us, and uh, he'll be driving the marketing strategy going forwards. Customer delivery and relationship management, that's really around investment in our, our customer relationship directors. And they've helped us grow and expand those existing customer bases, the top 40. So they a key driver in that space. And then the products and tech dev, again, that is a flow through of last year's investment that is now uh, fully into our run rate for the first half of the year. And um, I mentioned uh, the the forex impact and the capitalization of development costs, and uh, that gets us to a profitable adjusted EBITDA. And travel is obviously a cost for the business, given our geographic diversity. That's back up to where we were, were pre-pandemic levels. So a good position on the walk across. If I just move on to cash flow, uh, you'll remember from previous sessions that our first half cash flow is just below positive EBITDA position. Um, and that's really a function or is entirely a function of our seasonal bidding cycle. So we most of our renewals happen in the second half of the year. Uh, and we've already seen some of those come through with cash come through um, since the period end in september it's such that we've got thirteen million in the bank as of yesterday and we fully expect that cash position uh, to become positive in the second half of the year and return to where where it was or and above um, the full year impact so no, no concerns on the on the cash flow at all it is just a seasonal seasonal bidding cycle and I think just to to end off really it terms of You know, we're obviously in a a, a difficult period economically the the business is very, very strong. We've got a very strong balance sheet. We've got plenty of cash in the bank. Our billing model um, with the commercial structure around our accounts gives us great revenue visibility going forwards and cash in advance, as well as that geographic diversity, Richard, talked about in terms of exchange rate mitigation um, and having our cost base more or less aligned with our revenue income in different different, uh, currencies. So a real strength of the business. With that, I'll hand back to Richard for the strategy.
1: Thanks, Patty. If we just talk a bit about the uh, progress we've made in the last year, I think you know, the, the core of it is clearly business growth um, in, in, in all regions, and we've talked a bit about the, the, the regional sort of new business sales, but also just the expansion that our Australian customer base continues, particularly around the continuing need for a refresh and, and, and development of, of new managers coming into their into their organisations, which which has been a healthy stream of work and, and continues. I think EMEA in particular is is absolutely flying, Uh, lots of of things happening, lots of different customers. And and even since, I'll I'll talk about the trading update, but but sort of continuing progress, let's say, since the half year end. Um, and, And Tom Paddy's spoken about the underlying expansion to our customer accounts. I think and some, some of you may have been to the ActiveOps uh, Capacity 22 conference in, in the Science Museum or possibly even in Melbourne. Um, these were just, I think, a, a showcase for the level of technology innovation we've been able to produce. When I think back to the business four years ago to where it is today, our, our rate of, of introduction of new technology on our new platform is just out of this, you know, it's, it's profoundly different. And what that means is we're able to sort of bring to market much, much more clearly defined requirements to meet particular market needs which which increase the efficacy of the sales team but also just the rate at which we're able to innovate and, and really help our customers deal with some of the, the challenges that are, that are facing and i'll talk about that but casework iq being a sort of case an example in point where that world of complexity still needs to you know the world of knowledge workers the, the demands of of of, of regulators is, is is creating new challenges for our customers and we've been able to respond to that I think the, the, the final element of sort of the strategic progress, I think we've heard there's been a step change in terms of our relationship with a couple of key you know, sort of partners, in particular Microsoft. Uh, we've gone up a, a tier to their top tier of, of so-called ISVs, um, which is a sort of the intermediaries that they, they deal with. And that means from a sales incentive perspective, and this doesn't impact on our figures at all, but the sales support teams inside Microsoft in relation to, to the major accounts now gets you know a much greater bonus which gives them much greater incentive to promote and support ourselves. And we're seeing a real impact on that in terms of our relationship with some of those strategic targets of the organization. So an awful lot of ha- things happening. And, and I think it, most encouraging at all, we're also seeing that in our reduced churn. So, so you know, we, 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 we've talked before about how, how our, our sort of churn rate is very low, but, but even around the sort of normal, most, you know, basically customers are expanding our usage and, and our underlying NRR is just growing all the time. So a lot to be pleased with there. I think if we look now a little bit more forward, fundamentally, the context for our work is just getting more, you know, more, more positive. That The world of work is not getting any simpler. If you think of operational risk, that sort of sense of pressure organizations are under, skills development, and the need to actually support people in a new way of working so that we can develop the skills we need in our businesses to orchestrate and use them and, 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 and to work together effectively. Um, productivity management, massive issue. Uh, where organizations are worrying the impact of hybrid working, both short-term, are people effective at home, but also long-term, how do we make sure we, we build the right type of capability capabilities in the right place in the context of, of hybrid working? These are all really worrisome pr- issues for a lot of organizations. And the ability of our software to take that and, and, and simplify how you resolve it, give, yourself, give, give organizations options to manage it, is, 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 is a huge thing. So, so of our, you know of, of the time we're we're getting that kind of engagement with our customers in a way that perhaps we haven't seen for the last couple of years as they've been dealing with the impact of COVID. An interesting chart for everyone is is how ActiveOps performed in the last recession. This is our FTE growth back in uh, from 2008 through to um, 11. There now, you know, correlation or causality, you have to be careful. But what I think that does speak to is in a time of recession when people were really cutting back, we, we enjoyed you know, a huge period of, of growth. And because again, the, the need for this type of control was very clear and I think it gave us that kind of market relevance that that, that really drove our growth at that time. And we see echoes of that in, in, in terms of the market opportunity in front of us today. Looking at the actual specifics, um, I've touched a lot on case management. But the other aspect I think we've really taken a step change with is data connectivity. You know, we work in an ecosystem involving other players, you know, whether it's the the, the workflow tools, the PEGAs and so on, or it's the it's the orchestration and, and, and telephony systems, it's the Appians and, and, and the low code sort of developers. These are the players in the game we work with and Ana plans and, and so on through. And what our software now does is, is interface with those much, much more effectively, both receiving and providing information to our clients. So that essentially they can build their own compound customized solution for their enterprise with ActiveOps providing that critical interface layer, rather than perhaps being our own um, island. Eminently, I mean, we're already piloting this. We've got the sort of the beta, the sort of beta program rolling out with our customers, is smart planning. That. For anybody who's sort of close to this world, the, 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 the terrible thing about with, of the back office is its sheer variety, the sheer number of different things that people do. And that has therefore meant, if you like, by contrast with the contact centre where you can centrally plan, ActiveOps has always been brilliant because it provides consistency to the planning process, even though it's done in a distributed way. Smart planning takes that to a whole other level. It now means that the things, the intelligence that needed to be applied into that local situation can now be built into the machine. So in other words, I don't have to worry as a senior leader that my team leaders are planning well. The software will plan for me. I can focus my leadership on executing against the plans that effectively do maximize the effectiveness of the whole organization. And without being too sort of off topic about it, that is transformational to the challenges of work operations management. It really is. The ability to systematize that across large-scale enterprise will be profound in its impact. On behind that, we've talked about skills, but skills development, so the ability to infer from what people are already doing, things they might yet be doing, and then bring that to bear into that smart planning. again just just takes away so much of the drudgery and frankly, the randomness of a lot of the collection of data, but also the inference and application of that data to, to better, better activities for people. So smart skills, similarly, uh, very, you know, in, in the process of, of being de- deployed, um, great, you know, high impact. And then behind that, another one is the whole employee experience, providing data to support visibility over wellbeing and how people are being managed is clearly very relevant to the, to the time of the moment. Looking at a little bit more detail at at one of those, the smart planning. We introduced this as as one of our customers recently and and is absolutely applicable across the whole customer base. And and this this is the pilot process down in South Africa. What it delivered was pretty profound for them in terms of the application, but also just simply the straightforward ROI. Because the planning was done better, um, it translated into hugely, you know, the savings, both in terms of the management time. To do the planning but also better planning and just to give you a simple number there we reckon the this was a, if you extrapolate from the time they had it represents about a million saving million pounds saving for per every F, every thousand FTE, which which from our point of view as a sales message makes it absolutely crystal clear in the current times of, of sort of doing more with what you've got that's a very powerful particular message so looking forward uh, as a business we really are looking to accelerate we're looking to accelerate the the exploiting the opportunity of our technology, Um, our AI and machine learning uh, teams are are growing the the capacity to bring insights to complex data to help our senior leadership. We've got no shortage of target addressable market, but also we've got some really exciting products to take there. So we really need to increase our sort of addressable, you know, convert that. We need to get the new tools out there, the smart planning and, and, and further the AI sort of exploitation. And then looking more at sort of the actual management of active ops as a business, we will continue to be, let's say, judicious with where we spend our money. I think we've got plenty of opportunity, you know, operational leverage to capitalise on the investments we've already made. So our underlying run rate profitability is, is, is absolutely on track. And I mean, I, you know, in line with the sort of up, up, the, the improved position that we are at relative to where we were forecast or that the analysts were forecasting before, I think you know, that we, we, we remain confident, let's say, about that. Um, Do we have opportunities for expansion and and, and M&A? Yes, and we will continue to be looking at that. But I think fundamentally, the the essence with ActiveOps has always been the core business is very sound. And we have the capability and the means, I think, with the platform we've built, you're looking at here um, to really drive a lot of growth organically. So uh, as as I hope the tones come over, it will continue to be, we like to think we do what we say. But, but more importantly, we think we've got lots of things we can you know we can say about and we'll be continuing to uh, to do. Translating that into uh, specifically relating to h two outlook, and um, we've had a very positive first month or so of the half. We've had a record uh, training and implementation sale to one of our large customers, and this is a great example of the sort of "do more with what you've already got" argument. They they're an existing active ops user base, but it's worth them spending a, um, a very, you know a large amount of time to lift up the capabilities to exploit the software better. So that's that's a good one. We've picked up another uh, very you know significant um, financial services client with with a, a customer base base in the U, UK, but also. Uh, much more, much greater in the US as well for for future expansion, and our Casework IQ pipeline is, is growing strongly. So we're you know the, the, there's a lot to be sort of be uh, interested in. I think behind that that the kind of the mood music in, in the context of deal pressure back of the com- you know the conference is the best attended ever of any active ops conference. Same in Melbourne, a lot of people came out. And I think that just just speaks to the, the the timing of the moment, where people are perhaps moving away from the the big ticket, or or perhaps the, they've made investments in things like robotics and, uh, and and so on, and now they need to cash that check, uh, and, and that's that's part of the the offer we can we can have. So that's the kind of run through of our our, our current position, Uh, you know, only ever building on what we've already talked about before, but I say a lot lot to be uh, excited about.
0: PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as
1: such.